Christina Bowman, and this is Banter with Bowman, where I talk to Edmonton uh, business professionals just about what they have going on with their business and um, in the community here. So I have Jeremy Hayward, who is the president of uh, Salu here in Edmonton. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Dana. How are you? Great. Thank Good. you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good. Thanks for being on. No problem. So uh, one or two sentences, Jeremy. Tell me um, about who you are and what sure. you do with Salute. <clears throat> Uh, my name is Jeremy Hayward. I'm president of Salute. We're a full-service IT solutions provider here in Edmonton and Calgary. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me, what, how did you get into IT, Jeremy? How did I get into IT? Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to go work for a, a smaller firm. And so um, at the time, I, um, I had a couple of options in front of me. And one of them was go work at TELUS and be a help desk person and work for a larger organization similar to what I was before. There's a lot of safety yeah, in working there sure, for a larger organization. Yeah, there sure organization. was. So there was. And, and so I, I looked at that and then um, I had, uh, when I was in school, a couple of my instructors had talked to me about a, a small company that just started uh, that they knew of the owners that were actually were instructors at the school I went to. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I went and had a conversation with, with one of the owners and there was like four of them. And I was like, you know... I've got, I've got some time on my hands. Um, you know, uh, I know you guys are working on a bunch of projects. Uh, I'll just come work for you guys and, and get some experience for, for a few days if you'd like and see what, see what my skills are like. So I think I went in on this project for a large it's a construction company here in town to do some Windows XP rollouts, which is really dating myself because that's like early 2000s, 2002, I think it was. I remember when XP came out and it was the new well, big, it was, it was awesome big thing. thing. right? From Windows 98, <laughs> Windows 2000. Anyway, I went and did a rollout for them and we did all these desktop upgrades. And at the end of the three days, <clears throat> um, I didn't go home. I barely went home. I think I went home to eat. I came back and I was just working my working myself uh, into, a, into a position I was hopeful, hopeful for. And at that time, uh, they basically said, well, I guess you don't have to do a job interview. Why don't you come work for us? So that was a, a small company uh, by the name of uh, Second Nature Solutions. And strangely enough, that company, uh, Second Nature Solutions, uh, is now the company that I'm president of, which is Salu. Yes. Right. So the first job I got in IT uh, became uh, the career that I started on in 2002 and continued on to this day. Now, there's a whole lot in between that, obviously, from being a tech to being president. Um, but um, I can take you a little bit on that journey if you'd like to talk a little bit about sure, that. Sure, absolutely. Because, so, um, sorry, just yep. for our audience, I know that you have five different owners, partners. Uh, I yeah, we're. I have five business partners that are uh, in that are on my leadership team. But um, we're an employee-owned company, actually. Mm -hmm. So we have sixty employees, and we have about nineteen shareholders. So. Um, my my role in the early days, and if I go back a little bit, was very much <clears throat> I was I was a technical person, and most of us were out doing our own thing, working working with our own clients, and then fast forward a few years, and um, I start to get into a little bit more of a sales role and operations role. Um, so that started about probably 2007, 2008, um, and then beyond that, sort of started to pivot into different areas, and then we started to grow. Um, Somewhere along the way, there um, a few of our one of our founders decided to retire and, and step away from the business, which was was what he wanted to do. And then at that point, <clears throat> somebody had to sort of step up and and take some of those those roles and responsibilities on. And I call it you know working on the business versus versus working in the business. With most of your your uh, your audience would understand what that means if they're business owners. And it became a, <clears throat> a situation where somebody had to kind of take the bull by the horns and and start you know sort of keep holding people accountable and making sure that we were doing the right things. And so 
you know, it just, it, it kind of came naturally to me to be, yeah. be that person. Um, so at that point, I had to really look at what I was doing in the business and, and was I the right person to be doing some of these other roles. So I started to find people to do, to do some of those technical roles within our organization. And, and that was, a, that was a, a, a transition. So would you say that you were kind of delegating? Um, yeah, more delegating and, and honestly finding, you know, finding people that can do things better than, than I can. And that was sort of a, an epiphany for me in my journey was, you know, I, I was good at certain things, but I wasn't, wasn't a bad tech, but I wasn't the best and the smartest at, at technology. Mm -hmm. So I, I really, really sat down and, and sort of sat down with my business partner and say, you know, guys, this is what I want to do. This is kind of the idea. Let's, let's put some plans behind what we're trying to do and, and get serious about business. And that would have been about eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Well, that's a, definitely a difficult part for um, a business owner. Mm. Like you, you have to uh, let go and release yeah. certain parts of the business and trust the person <clears throat> that they will give it the same care and attention that you would. Yeah, it, it, and that is 100% correct. I mean, it's, it becomes, for me, there was a long period of time where I, you always think that you can do something better than somebody else. Yeah. But I would start to realize that when I would get someone else doing the roles and start, you know, okay, you go and do this, I'm going to go, you know, build this up, things are starting to hap happen quicker, we're becoming more profitable, and things like that. And I started to realize that, yeah, if I'm not, if I'm getting out of the way and not being the bottleneck for these people to do the, this amount of work, then I'm doing the right things for my business. Mm -hmm. And so at th that was a, a real eye-opener, probably, as I said, about nine or ten years ago. And it's, it's interesting, because when you look back, you, you think that you do, you're always doing the right things and you're always trying to you're always trying to, you know, do what's better for the business by staying in the business longer or working on things that, well, I can just do it quicker. Mm -hmm. But in order for us, and one of our, our, our core purpose is empower, so to empower individuals. So every time I would be working on something, I would think, okay, is this what I need to be working on today? Do I need to be working on scheduling? Should I, shouldn't I delegate that to somebody else? And, and a lot of times delegating something doesn't always mean that they're going to do it the same way that you did it. I've learned that, mm. but the hope is that they will again take that same care and attention, yes. and they but they will they will hope, maybe even figure out a new way to do it that's even better than what I, you, you I would have done. I agree a hundred percent with that because um, most times and, and almost every time that I've delegated something, you somebody would come up with new ideas. Sometimes they take your idea and they work on it, but. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of ways. There's people sometimes don't they don't like that. Oh, it's not mm. the way that I would have done it, and it's not the right way because you're not doing it my way. My whole thing is, if you can figure out a way to do it faster and better than I did it, then we're all better for it. Mm -hmm. And so once I once I got past that piece and that sort of uh, that idea that I can do it better, which didn't take me very long because uh, <laughs> it's just the way I am, uh, it it really started to open up new ideas, new ways of doing things. So it's very interesting. For sure. Yeah. It's almost like you have to like let go of your ego. Yes. So um, let's go back <clears throat> and yep. talk about something that you briefly mentioned. So the Employee Share Ownership Program. Yes. You, I know that you started that program within your own company. Yeah, it kind of. I kind of did. I mean, I. <clears throat> so just to give you a bit of history, when we, when I bought into the company in 2004, I think I started in 02, <clears throat> We had three owners, and their mentality was to 
to bring in partners to the business, much like a law firm, an accounting firm, right? Mm -hmm. You give somebody a little bit of skin in the game and they're gonna, they're gonna take care of it like it's their own. Right. The analogy I always use is when you rent a car. Most people when they rent a car aren't gonna take it home and wash it, but yeah. you take your own car home if you own it. So if everybody gives that same amount of care to the business because they have a stake in it, then we're all better for it. And that idea um, came through our founders, which was something that they gave us all an opportunity to buy in when, you know, when maybe some of us weren't ready for it, or they, always, they pushed us because they knew that hey, if you if we give you a stake, you're gonna you're gonna take care of that. So for me, when when I was actually given the opportunity to buy shares, um, I jumped at the chance because it was an opportunity to grow and to be in the business and to own part of the business. So. As time went on, um, we added more partners to our business, and we'd mm -hmm. add more partners to our business as the need arose. When basically we saw somebody that was somebody who wanted to actually, you know, put put uh, shares into or have them buy shares that we wanted to be partners with us, we would offer them shares, and that was great. And we grew to a certain size, and then at some point, um, it became a situation where everybody wants to buy. Well, mm -hmm. it used to be a, a key person situation where you know you let's say you came to work for us and you were you were working hard we would then offer you shares to buy and we'd do some kind of sweat equity return well as time went on um, we knew that that would only last so long because people would want to exit and come and go so we knew we needed official an official program put in place so what I did is I, I went out and, and talked to some individuals that I know had put something like this together before I mean you think of employee-owned companies um, you think of PCL uh, they're one of the largest that does it in this space out here and they're I mean, in the construction industry. So I went and talked to some people there and I went to talk to some people at some other organizations that I knew had done this and sort of put some things together and, uh, and, and went and presented it to, to our shareholders and how we wanted to structure it. And the biggest thing that I had to really separate was the idea that um, being a shareholder and being an owner can sometimes be two different, very two different things. And being a shareholder, an owner, or an employee yeah. are all very separate. So they're not mutually exclusive in the fact that you can be a shareholder, but you need to understand that the difference between being a shareholder and being an employee. Mm -hmm. And so we separated that out and drew very distinct lines so that people would understand that, you know, your job is dependent on your performance, not on being a shareholder. Really briefly. Yeah. Could you explain what the benefits are both to the employee, to the um, the president of the sure. company, and to the shareholders? Yeah. Like, what are the benefits for all three of those um, groups to be to <clears throat> having like employees be like shareholders? So, the biggest point of having a shareholder is you want somebody that is an owner, mm -hmm. right? You do want that. You want that mentality, but not everybody inevitably is going to have that same mentality. So, when it comes to um, having people at the table that have that same mindset as you, that's great. But what if you want to have an employee ownership program that is inclusive to all? And why should I exclude people because they don't have that same mentality as me? They just want it as an investment. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, <clears throat> why don't we restructure this so that everybody's included and, and, and able to buy shares at a certain point in time in their tenure with the company? And let's put the corporate structure in place that allows us to bring shareholders in easily and exit them easily if something were to happen or not to happen. In the past, I, I think what, what ended up inevitably happening in the ESOP model, before we had it, an official ESOP, it was very ad hoc. Mm -hmm. So as I said, somebody would be leaving and we need somebody to buy shares. So we would rush into finding somebody to buy the shares because they had some money and they weren't all necessarily the right fit for the organization. So I think what was key for us 
was performance management first. So the person that's coming to buy shares has to be in good standing with the company. They have to have a clean employment record. They can't be on a 90-day review or something like that, right? So I think that though in that situation, it helped equal the playing field. Okay. So that you know, if you're a two-year employee and you have some money and here's your share offering based on where you are in the company, that's okay for everybody. It's, it's inclusive. What, um, what I found before was that if, how do, you, how do you differentiate? So you've got one guy that's coming in and he's a hard worker and he's doing great and he's got some money, but then you got a person over here that's a hard worker that doesn't have the buy-in and who do you pick? And, yeah. and it, gets, it gets muddy. This way the lines are clear, the, the rules are clear. And it's very structured and, and such that you know well ahead of time when you start that, hey, if in two years, if you want to buy into this company and you have some, some capital to do so, that option will be available to you. Okay. So does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just to clarify, yep. what's the benefit to your <clears throat> clients, the fact that you yep. have an employee share ownership program and that they know that when they call up SLU, they might be getting they might be talking to, to, a, a to, a, to a shareholder. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, for our clients, and I, and I do believe this is a differentiator for us, is that everyone that we work with, whether they're known or not, they like to take pride in what they do. But the, for those that are, that are shareholders, I think it, it means something to them that they're a shareholder, that they're, they can say they're an owner. Mm -hmm. okay? and so They have skin in the game, like you said before. Game. That's right. Yeah. And they believe in what we're doing, and they believe in the ownership model. Um, and so I, I know for our clients, they, they applaud us and say, oh, it's great yeah. that you've done that and given back. I applaud you. Oh, I think that's you. amazing. <laughs> um, my reasoning for doing, for do, my reason for doing, continuing it <clears throat> is really because I was given that opportunity at a, at a young age to buy in. And I wanted everybody to have that. I didn't want it to be uh, a favoritism club or a reason, any, any other altruism reason that is, you know, for somebody that's been with the organization that wants to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. And the goal for me would, you know, and, and, and to have this company around 100 years from now and have the second or third or fourth, fifth generation yeah. of Salur, that <laughs> sound right, that would, run, that would run our organization, somebody that's there that I may not even know mm. or that they're not even here yet, right? What's that like? Um, is, it a, is it a reality that that'll turn out that way? I don't know. I mean, I hope so. We'll see what happens. We'll see, you know, and, and I think... For me, that's 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 what it means a lot to me that that would be the case when I look out and see, hey, somebody here could be, could be me someday. I can tell when you talk yeah. about it. I can tell that like you you care about it, you're yeah, passionate I, about I, it, I, and yeah. you're not just um, pushing this or promoting this program just <clears throat> because you want it to benefit Salute. You want it to also benefit, benefit employees, and else. yeah, and I, I think that's very very good. Um, and I, I like what you said too about skin in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm not an owner or a shareholder of my right. company, but I do have skin in the game because of my reputation. Right. So I absolutely recognize mm -hmm. that. Like when you have skin in the game, you are going to put um, the client's needs, um, they're going to be important to you. Well, and, and, and I think it, it is true because I think ultimately, if we succeed, our clients succeed. Yes. And then as a shareholder, you know, you succeed because obviously there's returns on that investment. Sounds like right? a win-win-win to me. Well, yeah, and it, it, and it is. And yeah. um, I, I, I believe in it. I think it's it's something that's new. Um, we're, we're succession planning is another a big one is because I don't really have a challenge with 
succession and the fact that there are there are people that are coming up in behind through our organization that are starting to lead. Mm -hmm. So if there's you know if they believe in it and they're shareholders and they want that role, then then they'll take that role someday. Hmm. Um, I think I told you this story before when we had coffee, but <clears throat> one of the things that I do is when everybody comes uh, and starts with us, they do an orientation with HR, and I'm always in the room for that as well. And Smart. yeah, and it's it's actually good because as we grow, I don't get to spend as much time with people one on one. So uh, you know, it's nice to meet them and, and tell them the story of who we are. So probably, I started at our organization as I, as I told you earlier as a as a bit of an intern. I mean, I, I I worked, I did some volunteering with the company, and then there was a short internship program. <clears throat> but when I became an intern, and there was you know I was the second employee, there was five of us. I knew I wanted to stay and work at this company because it was smaller and, and you know what I could make a difference and it was important to me and shortly after I got on full-time and probably within a few years after that I I kind of realized that you know my role was not going to be technical that I was getting into the business role and I, mm -hmm. I set my sights on the role that I'm in today um, when I was younger and I, I, I always say to everybody I started here as an intern in this organization when I was 29 years old and if you can, if I can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so why not you? you know, mm -hmm. If you want a role, we'll empower you to give you all those opportunities to take on any role you want in this organization within reason. It might be a longer journey to get to where I am today compared to what I had to do, but why not if you want that and you want to take that, that leap? Mm -hmm. I think that's really smart. Um, I was talking to the president of a manufacturing company mm -hmm. and I asked him how he got started with the company. I always think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And he said that he started sweeping the floors. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, it, it definitely can happen. It can. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's about, about a little bit of ambition, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of hard work, yeah. um, learning from your mistakes yes. um, and, and evolving in your role, whatever you're in. And then the more I realized that I was the wrong person for the role, the quicker we grew because I was getting out of the way of, of, of mm -hmm. progress in our business because a lot of times founders and people that are in roles that are owner operators will sometimes bottleneck their business and not even mean to yeah. because they, they hang on to it too tight. Yeah. So I think the, the sooner you can sort of let go of some things and put the right people in place, then, then the world's your oyster really. Absolutely. So um, can we talk a little bit, too, about um, Salu's uh, differentiators? Sure. Um, so maybe me uh, briefly just talk about what does Salu do and how do you do it differently than other companies in Edmonton? You know, that differentiator question is an interesting one because I get I asked it all the time. I love talking about it. <laughs> and at the core of who we are, we're a service provider and are there other companies that do things that like we do yes and are we the best choice in town uh, i like to think so <laughs> we rebranded last year uh, we were sns technologists for a long time and uh, probably 10 years and i've always had this idea that technology doesn't need to be complicated it doesn't need to be something it's not Mm -hmm. And I think our industry does itself a disservice by protecting and by not being transparent with what technology can do. Okay. And overcomplicating it sometimes. I'm not, it's, I'm not here to say that technology isn't complicated because it can be. But our job and people in my industry's job is to uncomplicate that for our clients. 
and to make it seem simpler. Mm -hmm. So, which is almost counterintuitive because if you make it seem too simple, anybody can do it. Then anyone can do it. So maybe that there's a reason there why people and in your industry trying they, to make they it They do, and 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 so they and and again there are some complexities. Yeah. But it's easy for us to uncomplicate it mm -hmm. because we know how to. And it's all about the translation in what we do in technology and how it aligns with your business. So when we rebranded, to go back to that, um, we were told that we're more friendly than most IT providers. We're more approachable. Um, we don't make people feel a certain way. <clears throat> and we're very friendly. That's really good feedback. And our brand didn't, rec didn't reflect that outside. So that's why when we rebranded to Salu, which means hello, it means solution, and why our, our mission is to uncomplicate solutions for you. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, the big piece that I wanted to make sure it was instilled upon the, the market and that, you know what, it might be complicated, but we will uncomplicate it for you. Inevitably, when we get clients that come to our door, things aren't in a in good shape. They're usually something's been missed or it's been neglected or they're not happy with the provider or they have an in-house IT person that hasn't told anybody how they do anything. And so my first, you know, my first thing is, well guys, we gotta go there in there and we gotta we gotta unweave it all. And then we gotta tell you how we unweaved it and show you mm -hmm. that this is yours. Right? This is your network. This is your technology. It's not mine. It's not the person that actually you hired. It, it's yours. You have to understand it. You don't have to understand it in detail, but you got to be okay with the fact that you know you got to learn a little bit to figure out what what this investment in your business is, because that's what technology is. It's an investment in your business. So, is it fair to say that uh, the the good customers that you have are on board with learning? Yes. Um, okay. We. I don't look at I look at customers as partners. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like being called a vendor. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, we like to qualify our, our clients to, to make sure that, you know what, this is our vision for your technology. This is where we feel it needs to go. We don't always have to agree, but there has to be forward motion in evolving your business. Because I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in technology is, I mean, it's here. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And if you're not using it for your business as a differentiator, no matter if you're an IT business or not, you're going to be left behind. I totally agree with you. <laughs> so, and, and, and again, that's not to say that you have to just, you know, everybody's got to get the best and the latest. It, it's an attitude and it's a mindset. And it starts at, at, at the sea level. It starts at the ownership level where, mm -hmm. you know, if I, I remember this story years ago, <clears throat> we had a client and they had Windows 98. And this is how far back, I mean, it predates Windows XP, but they were a little bit behind on their mm -hmm. upgrades. And one of the owners said, I've got this 10-year-old PC and if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my team. And I was young and just starting my career, and I, I was just a tech then, but I, I was pretty brash, and I said to the guy, well, that's great, but this 10-year-old PC of yours that you barely use is okay for you, but your, your, your engineer that's out on the floor that, you know, mm -hmm. he's, not, he's not, you know, they're not using drafting paper anymore, they're using products to, to design. And if you could gain some, 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 some time back from him by giving him a better tool, wouldn't you do that? And that changed the conversation for him. And he said, yeah, I never really gave it, I never thought of it that way. I never looked at it as a, but yeah. yeah. As soon as he started talking about labor hours. Or time and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and you know, and, and efficiencies, they sort of start to, to change things. And, yeah. and it's all about educating people. Because I think, I don't think I know, technology scares a lot of people, right? Um, it scares a generation that's starting to, you know, not be in the workforce. 
So it'll be less of a challenge as we go, but even so now, you see a lot of the changes that are happening now, and they're just, they're, they're happening at such a fast rate that no one can keep up. Mm -hmm. But if you're not at least looking at it as a differentiator for your business, then how can you be a differentiator in your space? It's tough, definitely. Yep. Well, you've definitely brought up some interesting points, and I wish we could keep talking, but mm -hmm. I did want to keep this uh, at okay. the 20 minute mark. So if it's okay with you, thank you very much for yep, coming thank on. Thank you. Appreciate no it. At all. <laughs> so okay. this has been uh, Jeremy Hayward, president of Salute, and my name's Dana Bowman, uh, and this is Banter with Bowen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>